Welcome back to episode, who cares, of the Press Play Podcast. I'm Ian. And I'm Seth. And this, this is a very special episode for me because what we're going to talk about today, honestly, is one of the movies that made me want to do this podcast in the first place because it's so special to me. Uh, Seth, I know it's you know one of the movies that we bond over. So yes. I don't know how you feel about this. But I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, this is always fun to talk about. And if you don't know, we're talking about Wayne's World mm-hmm. and Wayne's World Two. Which these I are these are ahead. movies. I saw them when I was very young for the very first time. This was you know early nineties. Oh yeah. So these were movies that helped shape my sense of humor. Dude, I remember I was maybe seven. And funny enough, the first movie I saw was Wayne's World 2, and mm. I wore that VHS out. <laughs> I loved that film. Then I watched Wayne's World 1, and dude, my God, these movies are something else. They really are, and they're so funny. Even now, I'm 30 years old. It's 2020. And no matter what, I will still watch this movie knowing everything that is going to be said, and I mm-hmm. still laugh. Because I watched it. I watched both of these movies yesterday, and I'm still having a great time. Well, these, these films are part of a lost genre of comedy, uh, and that's the parody. Because these are parodies of filmmaking, and they are geniusly funny. There is a savage satire of the whole process. And people will argue, they they might say that, you know, the Blues Brothers is the best SNL movie. To me, Wayne's World 1 and 2 is the best Saturday Night Live movie to exist. I I have to agree with you. I think think Wayne's World is the pinnacle of what an SNL movie should be. And that is in uh, no small part to... Uh, Mike Myers, because believe it or not, Mike Myers didn't used to be the skid mark on the underpants of uh, of Hollywood. Mike Myers, in, oh, in no. his prime, he was, was the king. He was the king. Uh, he his 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 sense of humor and his and his style of of comedy writing is very very. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's 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 unique. It's it's. It's a, a, a bit groundbreaking in how he broke the fourth wall uh, and made it his own. No, because no but, one quite does it like he does. But the problem is, is that everything that we're praising him for ultimately led to his downfall because his humor didn't really change. His right, he, he, he let his sense of humor not mature. Um, yeah, and, and that his, led to his... the Love Guru. Uh huh. Which is ultimately the reason he just he just left because we haven't seen him. We only after the Love Guru came out, we only saw him twice, and that was in Inglorious Bastards and Bohemian Rhapsody. And both and of those are cameos. Parts. Yeah, they're very small parts. But after the Love Guru fell out, because I I remember watching that movie in the theater and thinking, what happened to you, yeah, dude? It, yeah, I, I and I've honestly only seen about the first like half hour of the Love Guru. I've never watched. I cannot complete that film. Um, I've seen it's, it. In it's, its, it's unwatchable. I've seen it the whole way through, maybe three separate times. And my God, even the cat in the hat. I'm like, dude, this is not. This is not what I came to expect from this guy. No, because he he, he I, became he became very one note. He, he found what a, worked, and he kind of beat it into the ground with a stick. It's almost like he became a parody of himself, right? And it was just unbearable to watch the Cat in the Hat because I I very much enjoyed Jim Carrey as the Grinch, but mm-hmm. when that came out and the, and the Cat in the Hat came out after that, and I'm like. You really took a step down. I don't hate Mike Myers, but you gave us the 
like a dumber version of Austin Powers. Which I was going to say that I think that's where Mike Myers's uh, heyday kind of started to dwindle was with Goldmember because it did not Dude. live up to what Austin Powers one and two were. No, because I was just going to say Austin Powers two was ve- I very much enjoyed it, but when Goldmember came out, I remember thinking this movie d- is not good, and mm-hmm. I and, and that's just a shame because you have. You know, the first two Austin Powers movies, and you have So I Married an Axe Murderer, and Wayne's World 1 and 2. The dude was unbeatable. His he his box office numbers were, like, they were gold up until, yeah. ironically, gold member. Well, I mean, the moment you have Dr. Evil and Mini-Me wrapped in a prison, you're, you're kind of in for a bad time. Yeah. And I, I, I just despise that movie. I refuse to own it because in my mind, I always think that is the beginning of the, of just the spiral that was yeah. Mike Myers' career. I can't, I can't watch that movie. It's depressing to me because the dude was unbeatable. It, it is hard to watch the, the movies just get progressively worse. And it, it happened after one film. After that, it was done. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think of one movie after Goldmember that he did that I actually liked. But as far as comedies go, they they don't get better. Than, they hardly don't get better than Wayne's World, Wayne's World 2. Because they're so, the, they're so aware. They're so meta. Um, and like I said, they're, they're part of that lost comedy genre, which is the parody. Um, the nineties was kind of, was probably the heyday for it. You got your hot shots movies and your naked guns and you got Wayne's world and Wayne, and you, people usually don't associate. You don't usually hear that word associated with the movies because people don't mention it, but it's because it's such a clever parody. Oh God. It's, it's ridiculous. The, it, like if you grew up in the nineties, it's not just TV shows that they're parodying or movies like in Wayne's world Two, at the very end, after the credits, there's a parody of that old commercial where the Indian is standing in the middle of garbage. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, we're going to clean it up. <laughs> like if you didn't know what that meant, it was lost on you. But, uh, and, and Wayne's world two is just such a phenomenon because at least 90% of comedy sequels are not great and i'm just thinking about i'm thinking about uh anchorman 2 uh hot tub time machine 2 and things like that ace of ventura 2 is probably is is good but is it better than one not in my opinion but wayne's world 2 is actually one of the sequels in the comedy genre that you could argue is better it's at least as good as the first one, and that's yeah. extremely rare in comedy. It's almost unheard of. You got it with Wayne's World. You got it with The Naked Gun to an extent, um, and you got it with uh, Ace Ventura. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, I'd say, had a good sequel. Um, it wasn't, yeah, they're, they're, it wasn't, they're hard to think of. Yeah, because – the the only one that came out in the last uh, I'd say five years that I think was better is Twenty Two Jump Street. I think it was better than Twenty One, but that's mm-hmm. that's one comedy sequel in a thousand. Yeah, and that's yeah, just what because this, they're they're usually it, straight to video, you know, mind junk food fodder. Well, not to mention a lot of the times because it's a comedy. And I'm thinking of the, the, the two ones that come to my mind are Anchorman 2 and um, – damn it. I, I think Hot Tub Time Machine 2. They mm-hmm. just do the same thing but dumber. That's not what you should do. What Wayne's World 2 did perfectly was the same comedy, smart comedy, and give them – a different, more extreme situation to be in, 
but not compromise on the characters. Yeah, it was just made. It was made grander. They put these characters into a grander scenario, and it works exactly. And it works because the situation that they're put in makes sense. Because Wayne in Wayne's World Two, he's getting older. He doesn't know what to do with his life, and he decides, "I'm going to do this." And it's like, yeah. You should be moving on with your life. You can't stay in your mom's basement. I love that you're still dating Cassandra, and you know there's not this whole. It's not like Bond or Indiana Jones where there's a whole new girl. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing, but you're trying to hold on to it while trying to overcome this other circumstance, while at the same time still being able to parody movies, television, life, and still maintain the same level of comedic integrity. I completely agree with you. There, there's, not, there's not much that Wayne's World 2 does wrong. Um, if anything, there's so many things that they did right that made it better to me like introducing one of my favorite characters in these two films and that is Del Preston the roadie yes dude introducing him and giving us Chris Farley again in a completely different role was brilliant I think introducing Del uh it, it gave it gave Wayne and Garth something else to react off of rather than just the town they were in. Yes. And it, it also helps that Dell is batshit insane. <laughs> yeah. And they even bring it up. When did you turn into a nut bar? <laughs> and this is this is halfway through the movie when they've already met this guy and they've they've hired him and like, I think we made a mistake. This guy's insane. <laughs> Not to mention, you I, don't get me wrong. In Wayne's World One, Rob Lowe is the perfect antagonist for Wayne. But in Two, yeah. you gave us Christopher Walken. <laughs> That's just brilliant in itself. I, I even love how they how they how they introduce him when they give him the uh, the whole sphincter routine. Uh, yeah. And he doesn't fall for it. Is oh oh, this guy's good. Last night, last guy didn't get. Yeah. Oh man, it was great. And uh, you know, I that he was so great. But I I very much did enjoy Rob Lowe because at the time Wayne's World came out, Rob Lowe was pretty much in his prime. So of course you're going to have him in this movie, and. Well, it's I mean, because I, he because I'll, he's so he was so capable of acting so smug, um, yeah, and so everything he delivers is almost deadpan. Yeah, it's, and it's, you're that, like, it's, that, it's that cross between it's that it's, there's a fine middle line between a complete deadpan performance and so over the top creepy and weird. <laughs> yeah, but he, he plays he's, it. He's like every also, characteristic in a human being that you hate. But he also plays it with such smoothness that you're like, I know every word coming out of this man's mouth is horse shit. <laughs> but I like him. Like, well, you love good. to hate him. Yeah, you love to hate him. But, oh my god. So, one of my absolute favorite things about Wayne's World 1 and 2 is... It takes place in – it happens in Wade's World 1 where you've got – okay, <laughs> the, the the donut shop owner who's a fucking psychopath, <laughs> and he tries to talk to the camera, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? Only me and Garth get to talk to the camera. Like they acknowledge it, and it's fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. And then later on <laughs> – Garth is like, I, I, I don't really have anything to say right now. What's that? It's it's great camera pandering mm -hmm. in, in just the best possible way. Now, breaking the fourth wall, uh, it 
it was it, it was a, a, a great way to kind of keep that sketch comedy heart. You see what you don't you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, because uh-huh. that's what Wade and Garth always did. They talked to the camera. So having them talk to the camera outside of the show was actually a great decision. Um, it was almost it was almost like a mockumentary. Yeah, exactly. And then I just I just love the donut shop owner in general. Like just every time they cut to him, he's like, you know, if you stab a man in the dead of winter, steam will rise up from the wounds. Like what the fuck? <laughs> That's Why what do they I come love. to These... be to die? <laughs> These characters are just so great. Even when it's not Wayne and Garth, these characters that they gave us were so funny. Yeah, they're all the little, they have a little one-note personality, but it's so yeah. it's so quirky and, and just the right kind of, 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 of cringy, uh, you know, I can't stop looking at it because it's a train wreck kind of way that exactly. it makes them work. <clears throat> because there are so many movies, and I even I I'd even bring up the Matrix where if your main character is a one note character, it is immediately boring because in the Matrix in Matrix one or not not one uh, two and three, no one in this movie is emotional. They're always stoic, sunglasses on. They don't mm-hmm. react to anything. So if you're going to have these one-note characters, they should be secondary that pop up every once in a while, like the Del Preston, the Chris Farley, the donut shop owner, Phil. Phil. <laughs> give, yeah, give them a personality. Use them sparingly. And it works so well because I – Love, love Del Preston. I've said it before. I'm going to bring him up a lot in this review. I don't care. Del is hilarious, but they didn't overuse him. No, you, I actually, I, I want more of him, which is, I, it's, it's, that's oh, great no. comedy writing when you can make someone want more of a joke uh, because his yeah. entire personality, his entire character is a joke. Oh my god. And when and that's the pro, that's the that's the best part about him is when you meet him he's not like that. When they're in England and they meet him trying to hire him, yeah, he's a little bit off, but when he gets to America and he starts telling the same story over and over again <laughs> and starts talking about in the event of capture, you've each been given a cyanide capsule and it's just like this guy is crazy. I, I love they don't introduce him as crazy because one of the best jokes, in my opinion, is they're in his apartment. Is like, is that you with Bob Dylan? Who's the old lady? That's my old lady. <laughs> it's so it, dumb, it, <laughs> dude. But I've it makes seen... you laugh. So I, I don't, I don't get it. It's it, the, the, the line, the. The pun, it's it's just so off the nose. <laughs> it's, and, that's exactly what it was. It just, like, you, I, you I, cannot I, help but laugh at it. Dude, I have seen this movie a thousand times. I watched it yesterday, and he's just like, it was just me, my old lady, and the road. Is that you with Bob Dylan? Yeah. Who's the old lady? I still laughed. I We'll never not laugh at that joke. Some some jokes in movies are just fucking eternal, and that mm-hmm. is one of them. Because it's, like you said, it's so on the nose, but it's so perfect. It's and never there's not there's still quite a few jokes me. in Wayne's World, uh, both of them, that still make me laugh out loud. Um, and I've seen these movies countless times. Um, oh, God. Like the, I'll, like I'll the, never the whole... The whole gun rack uh, spiel is priceless. So, (laughs) this has nothing to do with the movie, but I'm going to tell this story. So, one time, Seth and I were hanging out. I think we were having a barbecue or some shit. And we're playing a game, 
and it's a video game, and it's basically it's kind of like um, words or Cards Against Humanity, but you get to fill in your own answers. Mm-hmm. And the prompt was, "What is the best birthday present you've ever received?" And you don't know who wrote what. And I saw somebody wrote a gun rack, which is what I wrote. And then <laughs> right after that, I saw a gun rack, and I'm like, you motherfucker. We thought the same thing. We both thought that. Just the fact that we can both make those Wayne's World references at the same time in the same game mm-hmm. and not even know it. We can never stop being friends. Exactly. <laughs> but, like, no, that, yeah, I I, I love that. It's like, uh, Psycho Hose Beast, and she's like, it's a gun wreck. I don't even own a gun. Just the way he said a, I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate an entire rack. What am I going to do with a gun rack? It, it, it's it's how, how he goes out of his way to make her look stupid in front of everyone. Yeah, because the, she's this is because, crazy. Because she's crazy, and the gift was ridiculous. It made no <laughs> would sense. You, would you think gun rack if you look at Wayne Campbell? No. No. <laughs> Not to mention, <clears throat> they broke up, which implies, by definition and reason, that they dated. In the time that you dated him, did you think – did he ever t- – why would he own a gun? Look at him. <laughs> God. That's what makes that joke so perfect. And later on, I fucking love Stacy because even Garth gets his shots in. He's like, I'm looking for Wayne. I think he's going through a very difficult phase right now. Do you know what I think it is? And Garth is just like, that you're mental? <laughs> And she just laughs what, it off. What do, you, what do you think I should do? Move on. Get over it. <laughs> but she just laughed it off. She's like, <gasps> oh, my God. Not to mention Cassandra's fucking fine. I really had nowhere else she, to put that in this review. I just wanted to say it. And she can wail. Oh, she can wail. Whew. My problem is, is that because I work on radio, my whole big thing is I, cause I, I was watching this movie yesterday, and I'm like, okay, I understand that she, you know, has a has you know the vocal range to be great, but all I've ever seen this woman do is cover songs. Yeah. What the fuck did they cite her for? I don't. When know. you meet her, when you it... meet her, they're singing Jimi Hendrix, and then later they're singing. Uh, Fire, or not fire, but uh, Ballroom Blitz by Sweet. And I'm like, that's not original. Record labels don't give a shit about your cover songs. Oh, no, but she's fantastic, remember? (laughs) That's a nitpick. Well, yeah, because they warped reality to make it seem that way, which, oh, my God. The fact that they did it not once, but twice, they warped reality in both movies. Mm Mm-hmm. The fact that they're like, okay, in the first movie it worked. They did the Scooby-Doo ending and then the happy ending. Then in the second movie, they're like, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's do the Thelma and Louise ending. (laughs) And it was so good. Most of the time when jokes are done again in a sequel, they don't work. But this one did it. No, it's a it's a, it's just a testament to the level of craft that uh, that Myers possesses, um, or at least used to possess. Yeah, and that's a problem that yeah it is used to possess because mm-hmm. damn it he hasn't I don't even there was there was talks that there was going to be an Austin Powers four. A long time ago. And I remember when that report came out. And I'm just like. Please fucking don't. Just don't. Don't you dare. Don't even make a Wayne's World 3. Because it's been too long. No I definitely don't want that. Nobody. 
but the problem is is that if we got this covered.com which for anyone listening is not news it's a fake website yes it is so please stop sharing if they said that there's going to be a Wayne's World 3 the internet would erupt and i would have to go into every single person's comment section and say this is not true also why would you want this if there was going to be a Wayne's World 3 it would have happened a long time ago yeah could you imagine these 60 year old men now oh my god and, it would be and, terrible in in these wigs walking around pretending they're teenagers again i mean not to mention like what are you going to do to explain the passage of time what has happened in their life that is going to be interesting to me the fact that Wayne's World 2 opened up by saying a year has passed I'm a little older I'm a little wiser but you can't do that now and say hey it's been 30 years No, because that you because at that point, if Wayne is doing the exact same thing he's always been doing, I wonder they going to put him back in his mother's basement. Yeah, it makes no sense, and it's no, it would it would it would make the character pathetic. And that's another thing that happened in Wayne's World too. He moved out. They changed the setting, which is yeah. good. You can't do the same thing thirty years later because. I don't know if you've noticed this about the human race. We evolve, mature, move on, and grow. If you do the same thing 30 years later, it's unbelievable, not funny, and almost to a point of pandering where you're giving us the same thing just to sell tickets. Or, so, or we have the other worse option, the other worse cliche. He's old now. He's matured. He owns like a record shop or some stupid shit. And he has a kid with Cassandra, and now he's going to be the next Wayne. And Garth oh, has God. a kid. And yeah, that would be the other thing that they did. Dude, Ace Ventura did that. Uh-huh. I don't know if a lot of you know this, but there was an Ace Ventura 3, and it was basically... I didn't see the goddamn movie. I just read the back of the DVD. And it said that basically Ace Ventura's kid was trying to free his dad from prison or some shit. Jim Carrey's not in it. It's just this little fat kid. <laughs> and, oh, my God, the fact that it exists is fucking – oh, by the way, they're talking about making another Ace Ventura. Yes, they are. God damn it. This is the point that we're at. Where nostalgia sells tickets, even though, chronologically speaking, it makes no sense. Because the question is, can it still be funny? No. Because Ace 2 because... was one of the sequels that put that character into a more extreme situation. It upped the stakes. Um, yeah. How what do you do that Ace... again? You can't. Because you've already put him in the most extreme situation. Because in Ace Ventura 1, he lived, worked in Miami. You took him out of Miami and put his ways in a different part of the world. Where else can you possibly send him? Outer fucking space? Don't give them ideas. <laughs> no. Because Which I see why... that as a plausible script. To be written. Well, re realistically, there's a third option because what you can do in the third movie is exactly what The Hangover did and put them right back in Las Vegas. I liked Hangover 2 because they went, they did what Ace Ventura 2 did, took them and put them in a different part of the world. And then Hangover 3 put them right back in Las Vegas. But see, Hangover 2 doesn't work for me because it's the same exact fucking plot. I agree with that, but I liked that they were dealing the with the same The same things happen in the exact same order. It's not good. But the only reason I actually enjoyed it is because the location and circumstances were different because of the location. In Hangover 3, you just put them back where they already were. 
And if you try to do that with a threequel, it sucks. Because what did Austin Powers 3 do differently? Nothing. Nothing. They went to a different time period. They went the to 70s. the 70s. Big fucking deal. Because you're just going to end up back in the 2000s. Yeah. God. Let's start talking about some positive shit because I'm getting angry. <laughs> I I fucking hate Goldmember, dude. I swear to God. No, it's this not the best. It's infuriating. I, I, I wish I wish he would. I wish Myers would have done more things like So I Married an Axe Murderer. That was a great movie. You know these 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 quiet little, uh, these quiet little low budget comedies. I, I and, miss those. And you know you what know, I mean. It wasn't even so. I married an axe murderer. It wasn't even like a like a mainstream movie. I I don't know. I I'm how many people have seen that goddamn movie? It's crazy how many people slept on it. But it's good. I think there's thirteen. I think thirteen people have seen it now. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But that's not. That's not. He did so. He was Shrek for God's sakes. That was such a great movie. But I'm looking at his damn uh, IMDb page right now, and all they want to talk about is two things or three things: Shrek, Wayne's World, and Austin Powers. There's well, not really those a are, whole those lot. Those are his. Those are his biggest movies. Yeah, um, there's not a whole lot of other works that really made him stand out. But they were Which, so the in, they were so insanely popular. I mean, like, yeah. like we said in the beginning, you you couldn't look anywhere without Mike Myers being there. Um, and he just as quickly just vanished. And it's because he wrote a bad script. He wrote a couple of bad scripts. Yeah, because I, the Love Guru is like right underneath these other the other three that I mentioned, and it is amazing just how bad that movie actually was. I'm not gonna lie and say I didn't chuckle at one, maybe two things when I watched the film, but the rest of the movie I'm like, dude, you were fucking Wayne Campbell. What happened? How did you come up with this? I said I, I I never finished the Love Guru. I got about half, I got about thirty minutes into it and I had to stop. It's to me the film's unwatchable. You brought in Sir Ben Kingsley to be you your tricked film. Sir Ben Kingsley. <laughs> yeah. And what did you end up having him do? He's cross-eyed and pissing on people, and it's it was embarrassing. Which is it, it, the, and, it, and on top of that, the movie's just ugly. Yeah, and it, it just looks cheap. It, it's the the effects it, are are sophomoric. It's the the comedy sophomoric. I mean, uh, yeah, a guy well, talks weird and he's cross eyed. That's supposed to be funny. That because well, that's the joke that he's cross eyed. Not only that, uh, it did the same thing that the cat in the hat did. It told you when to laugh. Because if you watch both of those movies, when Mike Myers tells a joke, he does this thing where he just goes, like, he basically just instructed you to laugh because he's laughing at his own shit. Yeah, I don't know what started that with him. Why did he start doing that? I think the, the first time I saw it was in The Cat in the Hat. It was the, it had to have been the cat in the hat. Because that's when I first started, that's when I first saw him do it, and then he did it in The Love Guru five years later, and I thought, dude, you don't have to trick your audience into laughing. They'll laugh if something's actually funny. But if you're just doing that, you're taking away the humor by explaining the punchline almost. Like when... When you tell a joke and nobody laughs and you have to explain it, it makes it less funny. So by instructing us when to laugh, you're hurting yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And like I said, that it was such a weird thing to start for him to start doing, because he never relied on that before. No. I'm trying to think. Even in Austin Powers, I don't think he did it. He might have done it in Goldmember once or twice. I don't know, but I don't watch that movie, so I don't really care. <laughs> so I never, I never noticed it until Cat in the Hat. Yeah, and it was. He didn't do it as much in the Love Guru, but in the Cat in the Hat, he beat you over the head with it. That's probably to me his worst film. Is the cat in the hat? It is a bastardization of the source material for one. Oh, oh, one hundred percent not going to. It is. It is. It is not. It makes you nauseous watching it. Um. Uh huh. On an intellectual level and on a just a basic physical level, because the the film is so just over the top bright and Dutch angles and. They're underneath looking up at people and everything's through a fisheye lens sometimes. And it's just, it, it's, it's infuriating to watch. Um, it's, it makes you feel dizzy almost. It's infuriating to me mainly because of the disrespect. Because at least, like, I actually really enjoyed The Grinch because it was faithful. It, it did its own thing. But it never wants to me disrespected the source. The Cat in the Hat is a fucking abortion of a Dr. Seuss film. It's I don't crazy. like any of the live action Dr. Seuss shit. Well, I think they're all garbage. You know, well, I liked The Grinch. I did. Because eh. Jim Carrey at least made The Grinch his own character. The Cat in the Hat, Mike Myers just made him basically. I don't know. Because if you read The Cat in the Hat, he's not like that. He's, no, he's not, not a Mike Myers character. The f Casting him was the biggest mistake, and he was still – he was maybe on the, on the downhill of his career, but he was still the king. And casting him was just the worst mistake you could have made because The Cat in the Hat is not a Mike Myers character. No, I don't think so. But uh, we it's, have it's, neglected it's... something about. First of all, I don't know where the hell we just went. We were here to talk about Wayne's World one and two. Well, and it's, we it's natural forgot. that when you talk about these movies, that you go into how great Mike Myers used to be, and mm -hmm. it's inevitable that you're going to talk about his. Uh, his eventual downfall um, as an artist. It's the Sean Con It's the Sean Connery effect. Yep. But we have neglected one of the biggest parts about Wayne's World One and Two. Garth. And that's Garth. I, I. It just now hit me. I'm like, we haven't mentioned Garth at all. No, we haven't. But Garth is he's he's very it's very hard to explain why he's funny he's because he's he's so weird and timid um that you that you they almost had to exaggerate everything garth was um in from the sketch show yeah um, because when you put him into the movie, if it's just that Garth from the sketch, then it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. So they had to completely uh, establish a personality for him. Um, yeah, and give him these weird you... little quirks and make you know, oh, oh, now he's smart. Um, he's into robotics and shit, and <laughs> here's around his you... old taser. <laughs> well, if you go watch some of the uh, Wayne's World SNL sketches. Garth is just there. He really has nothing to offer the the SNL sketches, and I totally yeah, agree because, with your thing. They, they yeah, Garth to give was something. Garth was Dana Carvey's take on his. Uh, I believe it was his older brother. 
Um, it was his impression of him. So that's pretty much all he was doing was acting weird like him. It took it took a script writer to help, you know, evolve the character into something else and Dude. actually make him interesting to watch. Dude, we talked about Mike Myers' fall from grace. Dana Carvey fell so much harder and so much quicker. Yes, he did. <laughs> because... I remember watching The Master of Disguise, and I'm like, Whoa. I'm done. I, I'm done. I am done with you. Not to mention, he has a stand-up special on Netflix. He is also somebody who refuses to evolve, because I watched his comedy, and it came out maybe two or three years ago. I mm -hmm. hated it. I made it five minutes into that special, and I'm like, I am fucking done. I'm never watching this. It's sad. I've seen him on uh, the talk show circuit, and he's his impre his impressions to me have always been he's got a couple of stellar ones, um, right? Like his uh, his George Bush Senior and his uh, yeah, Daddy um, Bush is unbeatable. He's got another one that's really good, um, I, but I can't think of it right now. Uh, but all of his impressions as a whole have always kind of been just okay to me. Right. Um, I can say the same thing about Robin Williams. That I put them in the same, uh, as far as impressions go, they're just kind of okay. They can do I them. Agree. They can do them, but they're not. Uh, they're not I, as good as, as they think they no, are. No, they're not. Um and and the problem with it is he relies so much on the impression being the joke instead of yeah instead of putting the impression in a situation and writing a joke for the impression he just it, he just okay this is a funny voice. Um, and I always I always meant to watch this. Uh, I think it's on Hulu. It's a documentary about the Dana Carvey show. Mm -hmm. And it was called like Too Funny to Fail because if. If you look at it, he had some of the greatest writers that you've ever seen, even though at the time you'd never heard of them. Like Louis C.K. was on it was on his writing staff and shit like that. I always meant to watch it, but my God, man, when he did Master of Disguise, I was done with him forever. That movie I don't think is I've... so horrendously unfunny. Oh God. And that's the thing that you were saying is that he relied so much on the impressions to be the joke. I'm like, no, if you're going to play, you know, because in the movie he impersonates the guy from Jaws. If that's what you're going to do, make it make the joke inside the impression. The, the impression is not the joke. Yeah, all because all, doing... all he does, all he does is quote the movie. Yeah, that's all he does is quote Jaws. And that it's voice, which, ridiculous. which on its own at a party can be funny, but in a movie? I... There, was a, there was another uh, impression of Jaws where they did nothing but quote the entire thing, and it was hysterical. There's an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie is in a police station, and he's talking about bats, he's like, or rats, he's like, you ever... You ever see when a rat bites you? Don't much be looking at you. Just more like... And it was awesome. If you're going to quote Jaws, the situation has to be funny. Otherwise, you're just doing an impression of Jaws. And it makes no sense to do it. Because in The Master of Disguise, when he did it, the situation made zero sense. Hey, he just did it to sharks. do it. He just did it to do it. Yeah, because it we was one it. that he could do. Yeah, we get it. You can do impressions. No one cares. There's impressions I can do. I'm not going to make a movie out of it. And that's just heartbreaking. Because you mm -hmm. have... Because the two main stars of the movie that we initially set out to review today... <laughs> just fell so far. No, we started talking about the legacy. Yep, uh, and I gotta say, and, and they did—they did, well. 
they they both fell hard. Um, and as a fan of comedy, um, a genre I think has almost completely died in, in the theaters. Um, it has because to this like right now, comedies don't make don't make you know a lot. A good comedy will probably bring in like maybe forty million dollars at the box office. That's it. And was and, just, and, and back in the back in like the the eighties and nineties, those were some of the biggest box office draws were comedies, Ghostbusters, yeah. Trading Places, Airplane, The Naked Guns, um, even Hot Shots did well at the box office. Um, Dumb and Dumber. Um, I hate that movie. Well, I like it, but anyway. Um, well, we talked about but, this, but. but uh, but it was that it was that time period in cinema where comedy was kind of it was up there with action. It made the most money. But, but nowadays, now got, nowadays, if you're not a, if if you're not a superhero movie, you're fucked. Well, nowadays, it's, they're so comedies are so uninteresting visually. That why do you need to go see them in the theater? The only person doing anything visually interesting in comedy is Edgar Wright. Yeah, and that's which, sad. By the way, which we brought this up when we reviewed the Cornetto trilogy. Wayne's World's visual humor at the time was phenomenal. Like the and I immediately go to the whole no stairway. Yes. Denied. The visual comedy is awesome, but no one does it anymore because people lack directors lack the either patience or attention span or they just I don't know I don't know what it is, but they just don't I, do it. I watched a video essay on. Uh on kind of the downfall of comedy in cinema. And uh, the the vlogger said something to the effect that comedy nowadays are just, they're lightly edited improv. And I cannot agree, agree more with him. You can tell that they're just up there baking shit up and editing it around because all the camera angles are flat. They're, they're almost boring to watch. It doesn't matter how funny the joke is. Because it's not shot interestingly enough. Yeah. And that's something that Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2 did was uh, gave you something interesting to look at. And it was little tiny things. Um, like the subtitles at the bottom when, when Key and Cassandra are talking on the roof. That's great visual yeah. humor. Just waiting for it to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at their reactions, waiting for it to pass. <laughs> or when they, when, they uh, when, when they spoof uh, Kung Fu flicks in the second one when he's fighting Cassandra's dad. And they uh -huh. all of a sudden they start <laughs> it's the dubbing and the, the facial and the facial reactions and emoting and, and <laughs> flying across the screen with a kick. <laughs> it's it's you know, no one does that anymore. Um, not to any great effect, anyway. I think the last film that ever that I remember, it, you know, having it edit was that awful uh, Sherlock Holmes thing with Will Ferrell and uh, John oh, C. Riley. I didn't even watch that movie. It looked like dog shit. I'll never watch that movie. I've only seen the trailer. <laughs> But yeah. you can see you can see they're 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 trying to do slapstick, and no, oh, it's not they're not good at it. No, not at all. And I remember when that movie came out. Oh my god, people tore that movie apart. Mm-hmm. But I'll never see it. I'll never see it. No. And the funny part is, is that I actually have a Blu-ray copy of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Here's why. Here's why. Because I work in radio, 
That movie did so bad, apparently, that Blu-ray copies were sent to my radio station to give away. And a little <laughs> trade secret. A trade secret in radio is that if a movie is bad, they send things to the radio station for us to give away. Like, when the new Hellboy movie came out, the one without Ron Perlman that everyone forgot existed until I brought it up, they sent us hats. I still have one of those hats because I wanted a hat, and I like Hellboy. It didn't say Hellboy 2018 or whatever. It just had the uh, logo for the, um, the, 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 the secret agency that Hellboy worked at, and I'm like, okay, cool. I can have that, and people won't know it's from the abomination that that movie was. But they sent us literal hard DVD Blu-ray copies of Holmes and Watson, and no one wanted them. <laughs> That's incredible. So basically, I just they they asked us like, "Hey, do you want this movie?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I'll check it out." And then uh, when I got home and sobered up, I'm like, "I'm not watching this." I put it in my closet, <laughs> and it has stayed there, and it will always stay there until mm. maybe one day I'll review it and. Basically, rip it apart like we did Doom. Yeah. Which, by the way, you can go back and listen to if this is your first time listening. We did Doom once. It sucked. <laughs> it sucked a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. Well. I know there's a lot I... of people out there, uh, the, you know, the, the kids that haven't watched the Wayne's Worlds. And you absolutely should. They're 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 great films to appreciate, especially if you're a fan of comedy. Uh, any kind of sketch or stand-up comedy, you'll get these movies. And this is one of those great comedies, like uh, you know, The Jerk or Office Space, that it really isn't that dated. So you can watch it, you know, whenever, and it's not a product of its time, because a lot of a lot of comedies do that. They make fun of things that are going on within the time mm -hmm. period that they're based in, and that dates them. And I think uh, I think Deadpool did that when they made a Mama June joke. And I'm like, the second that you made that reference is the second that you dated this film. Yep. Wayne's World did that. I think only once when they made the Terminator reference. When they had uh, the T-1000 pulling him Oh, over. yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, because when I watched Wayne's World, but, but I hadn't even seen the, Terminator but, at the time. But even if you aren't familiar with that sequel, with that character, just Wayne screaming and running from a cop and the cop walking after him <laughs> with a mean look on his face is still kind of funny. No, I agree, because <laughs> when I... When I was younger, I hadn't seen Terminator 2 at that point, and I still thought it was kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, I had questions, but I didn't really need to know the answer. I didn't care that much. And it's still funny. <clears throat> but uh, I'm pretty much open to whatever you el whatever else you got to say about this film, because I'm tapped out. Oh, no, I'm good. Um, I think they should be... Uh, revered for the comedy genius that they are. Um, they're incredibly funny films that the jokes hold up still today. I still laugh. Um, Dude, that one one more thing, and I, I can't believe I forgot this. The product placement joke in Wayne's World 1 is still to this day one of the greatest parodies I've ever seen. Yes, it is. Contractor, no. I will not bow to any sponsor. Pizza Hut. <laughs> Pizza Hut. <laughs> well, you've got a choice it, to make, Wayne. Yes. And it's, and the, it's choice the choice of a new, of a new generation. generation. <laughs> Pepsi. That's one of the greatest spoofs I've ever seen in a film. Cutting, cutting back to Garth, and he's wearing all Reebok gear. <laughs> Some people do things just it's to like, make money. And that's sad. That's just sad. <laughs> oh, my God.
that 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 joke and scene. one one of the jokes that that uh, you mentioned the old lady joke, but there's another joke in Warner's World too that always makes me laugh. It's when he's uh, in the uh, I guess the the court the courthouse or the person you know wherever you go to get permits, um, and he's talking <laughs> to uh, talking to the guy with the weird yeah. eye. Yeah, <laughs> because you have a real eye for detail. <laughs> Are you and kidding? Says, I give my right eye. And the, the, but the one that always makes me laugh is the one where he says, "Yeah, we'll just take these, go through it with a fine tooth comb, <laughs> cross the T's and cross dot all the, the T's and dot all the lowercase J's." <laughs> always makes me laugh. Oh my god, dude! These films. Oh my god. They they should honestly be like if you if you want to make funny videos on YouTube or like a Hollywood level these films need to be studied. Yes, I think so. Because oh my god, the they're just so good. It's, they're so, it's how they're you on it's the, how you the these movies are how you successfully do a spoof. Not to mention, and, keep, and, and make I it to where it they're due. Uh, I sorry, I brought it up in the um, in the Cornetto trilogy review, where I hate comedies where it's basically how dumb can we make this character? Yeah. If you make it a side character that's not a fucking just that's just not a total halfwit, that's fine because I hate characters that are even side characters that are like. This person is so dumb, they cannot physically put on their shoes. But when you have characters like Del Preston that bring that says, it reminds me of Woodstock. You were at Woodstock. What was it like? Well, it rained all morning, but it cleared up by the afternoon. That's all yeah, I remember. I almost had something else. That's the perfect level of stupidity that is acceptable in a comedy to me. Stupid, stupid done perfect in in a movie. I, I've, I've mentioned these movies a couple of times, but it's it's the Naked Gun, Frank Drebin. That's the perfect level of dumb. I would say uh, Navin Johnson from The Jerk is the perfect level of dumb. Okay, okay, I got you there. But I mean, we're we're both right technically. But it's like the stupider of a character you make, the less funny it's going to be for me. I'm okay with a dumb character that's still well, that's necessarily intelligent. Well, that's the thing too. With with in order for it to still land as funny, the stupidity has to be at least believable. There's a, yeah. there's a certain point to where you're looking at there is there's no way no no one's this stupid, you know, and, and that 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 draws you out of it. It's the same reason that you and I both agree. Pretty much anyone who does marijuana humor bothers me because they don't know and what they're talking is, about. Exactly. We were, what was it? Uh, it was Burt Kreischer. We were at one mm-hmm. of his shows. One of his opening comedians did a joke about being high, and he's like, "Oh man, I was at the gym and I was so high. I I was like, I was I was trying to move all these weights, and then I realized I was in a KFC. Marijuana doesn't work like that, and stupid humor only works if it's believable. No one believes that. No, especially if you know if you know that's not possible." Then it's not possible at all. It, go, it goes. It goes from. It goes from silly to to the point of irrelevance. It, it has. It, you know. It has. It has no connection to your subject matter. No, you're just saying stupid shit to get a laugh out of people. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, I got nothing else. I'm good. I'm good. I feel better. <laughs> okay. So it's just, it's 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 kind of cool how these movies brought up the whole the whole genre of comedy almost. We pretty much talked about the genre of comedy. 
Pretty much. Well, I mean, what what can you really dive into when it comes to Wayne's World? I mean, they're just they're just such great movies that you know, pretty much any conversation that you have about them just turns into a hey, I can quote this. Yeah, pretty much. And that's great because I mean, if you're at a bar and somebody quotes Wayne's World, you're goddamn right I'm going to jump in. <laughs> but when you're doing a review about it, yeah, it's uh, obviously the whole fall of Mike Myers and Dana Carvey was going to come up because goddamn, they fell hard. Yeah, they did. But next week, yes, we finally get to have our very first guest on this show. Fun, fun. And we'll be talking about I was it Showtime? It doesn't matter. It's on Netflix. We're going to be talking about Penny Dreadful. Yay! Which, yes, that was a Showtime series. Not a lot of people have seen, but so many people need to see. And I'll say this now, and I'll say it a lot next week. This show is what the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen should have been the whole time. I agree with you. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. So, Seth, always good to talk to you. Yes, sir. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye now.